welcome back to Finance in a Flash. I'm your host, John Motto, and today I'm joined by Chip Heimiller, and today we got something really excited. We're kicking off our uh, multi-part series on estate planning, and um, estate planning is something we we receive a lot of questions about. It maybe not, you know, isn't the, the main reason people come to us, but it ends up being a huge part of something that we do, and we evaluate it for every client um, that comes in here. So um, we're really excited about this one. Um, Chip, how's it going? It's going great. I mean, this is going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of people are very, um, you know, the estate planning process is one that's not uh, a, a huge objective for a lot of people, but it's one that is so important. And, you know, I can't tell you the number of um problems that we've uncovered over the years and in just small things sometimes that can be corrected pretty easily but you know people are just confused by this process they you know you you only die one time right and then you know you don't really get to understand um, what what your heirs are kind of left with but you know I think that this is just a part of that learning process just to teach people you know things to look for things to to take action on and uh, and really, it's 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 not a big deal, I, honestly. Of the things that we do for clients, this is probably the easiest of of all. You know, it's it's you know, even if someone comes in with no uh, estate documents at all, you know, we can go uh, set them up with an attorney, go to the meeting with the client, kind of go through the process, make any implementation changes that are required in terms of beneficiary designations and that kind of thing, and it's pretty easy. Um, but people just dread it. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully this will, um, you know, encourage people who need estate planning to, to go out and, and, and find solutions for that problem. Yeah. And I think that's a great point, Chip, because it does, I think we see with client, it does, you know, it is a source of anxiety for, I think some people, they think it's just this, you know, big undertaking and it, and it ends up maybe not being as bad as they thought. Yeah, no, it never is. It's never bad. It's just, it's just the dread of going through it and the uncertainty with, have ne- you know, many people have never done, gone through the process before. And it's really a straightforward process and, and one that, you know, I really encourage people to, to explore from time to time. And, and even if you have documents in place, you know, a lot changes in, in the world of, of, um, financial laws and tax laws. And so, you know, it's just important to every once in a while uh, regroup and, and reassess your estate plan. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the things we actually do here. Every every so often we, you know, we take a look back at our clients' um, estate documents, just making sure that everything um, looks good and everything checks out and is still maybe the way that they want it to be. Yeah. And a lot of things changes, you know, not just with laws and tax laws and things, but people's fam- family dynamic changes, right? I mean, kids grow up, um, relatives pass away. Uh, there's lots of things that change that, you know, just requires and warrants uh reassessing from time to time. Yeah, so I say we get things kicked off. What'd you say, Chip? Yeah, let's do it. So over the course of this uh, series, we're going to touch on a few different things. We're going to touch on asset titling, probate, wills, and some common types of trusts. But today, I think it's best that we, um, you know, start off with something that sounds relatively simple in asset titling, but it really holds a huge importance. Yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, how assets are titled make a hu- makes a huge difference in some of the other topics that you mentioned. For example, the probate process. You know, it just makes a difference in the ease of that. And, uh, and, it's, and it's important for people to have consistent 
uh, consistency really across uh, their estate uh, planning uh, documents and that sort of thing. And asset titling is one of the big things that, and the first thing that we, we look at for people. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really important. And like we said earlier, it sounds simple, but it's 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 got such an importance. You know, there's so many different types of accounts there. And Chip, now I, I'm going to kind of lead into this. Now, for accounts that are titled in, you know, my own name, let's say, you know, just me, my checking account, maybe my brokerage account, savings account, a mutual fund account. Um, can you walk us through, you know, some of the things to think about when titling those assets? Maybe what happens if I were to pass away? Yeah, I mean, those are the probably the most common types of accounts that people have, checking, savings, uh, brokerage accounts, mutual funds accounts, those sorts of things. And really, there's, the, you know, when it's you're in your own name, it's pretty simple, right? If something were to happen to you, um, you know, you would need to have a will to uh, indicate who those uh, assets would go to, right? Uh, if you do not have a will, the state has already ordered, you know, has an order of uh, distribution for those assets. It may not be what you want, but uh, the state has that in place for you. Uh, but most people would really want to look at other options. You know, if you have a checking account uh, or a, a savings account and whatnot uh, that's held in your name, really, you know, uh, you, number one, you need to have a will that would would provide a pathway for that to get to your heirs and, and the heirs that you would like to receive that. Um, but also there are things that you can do um, uh, ahead of time, really, that are pretty simple uh, that could also indicate a, a distribution strategy for those types of accounts. And, and really, it's, it's something called a payment on death or a transfer on death, which a lot of people may have heard of. But really, it's, it's assigning a beneficiary designation to a personal account like that. Yeah, so so Chip, you mentioned that it would go through the will. So what would you know if I were to pass away? So you know what would be the um, benefit of maybe having a payment on death or designating a beneficiary? Um, because it seemed like it would get to where it was going. Yeah, and so we're going to hit on some of this in our uh, probate podcast here coming up. But you know for sure, there, if there is no beneficiary designation, then it has to go through the probate process which is a process. It's not um, incredibly difficult, but it is a bit cumbersome, right? You know, um, and, you know, if, if there's, there is a beneficiary designation, it's simply, you know, or payment on death is what it's technically called, you know, that uh, would go directly to the person. You know, you, if you have a, uh, an account at a bank or credit union and it has a payment on death and, you know, uh, your friend or, uh, a relative who knows you passed away and knows you have that account can kind of go down to the cr- credit union and say, hey, this person passed away. Here's the death certificate. And, um, you know, then they could uh, distribute, the credit union could distribute that account directly to the uh, beneficiary without having going through the probate process. So it just makes it a little bit simpler. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, now that we've kind of talked about things, and you know, that are in, you know, your own individual name, um, uh, I'm, I'm just got engaged recently and going to get married here in a few months. So what would happen to assets that are titled jointly? Because I've been thinking about this a lot as my life is going to change a little bit. Yeah, and that's a great, you know, uh, a great thing to think about, because it does make a difference. And I'll, I'll tell you that, um, you know, a lot of people, once you get married, you, you 
you and your spouse uh, have have your own accounts and you're kind of working as a team together and so it would make sense to have checking accounts uh, together uh, savings accounts together brokerage accounts and that sort of thing uh, jointly titled well if if it's uh, titled with your spouse and it's called a uh, joint titling with rights of survivorship you know if something were to happen to you then your spouse would immediately get those funds. There would be no delay at all. It's not like, you know, there'd be a freeze period or anything like that. It Things would kind of carry on as normal. And I think, you know, and that would, it, it would not be subject to probate. It would not, you, you know, whether you had a will or not wouldn't matter. You know, the, those accounts that are jointly titled with your spouse, um, with rights of survivorship, those would transfer directly to your spouse. Um, and that would be, uh, you know, an ideal way for things to happen. Great. Well, the other thing that we get a lot of questions about and, uh, you know, our accounts that we work with a lot are IRAs and 401k plans. Um, you know, I think sometimes, especially with 401k plans, some folks um, don't really evaluate their beneficiaries very often and maybe um, don't know what their, who their beneficiaries are. Yeah, and that's a good point because, you know, those accounts, uh, 401ks, IRAs, and even life insurance policies, those generally go, um, you know, you, you use the beneficiary designations there. There is not a circumstance that I can think of where it's appropriate to not have a beneficiary designation on those accounts, and it should not be the estate. That should not, that is not a relevant beneficiary designation don't I can't think of a reason that anyone would ever want to do it that way because um, you know there's some severe tax penalties and things like that with 401ks and IRAs if there are no beneficiaries uh, designated so you want to make sure that you know you have those beneficiary designations in place you review them periodically you know you really don't want to, to name a minor uh, necessarily directly as the beneficiary of an IRA, Roth, 401k, life insurance policy, things like that. Um, there are other methods which we'll hit on later on in the series that, that may be more appropriate than that. But, you know, if you have a beneficiary designation on those accounts, you know, it's uh, that's the best way to go. And, um, you know, just make sure that you review them. I can't tell you the number of times where we've identified a problem. I mean, we found... You know, ex-spouses as the primary beneficiary. We've uh, seen parents who've deceased. We've seen, you know, s- some people have named the estate and named their estate, which is we've already hit on that. That's not appropriate. You know, it's just uh, this is something that is is so important, and um, you know, your your heirs will thank you. Believe me. Yeah, I think that's a great point because we really have. I mean, we, you know, we've seen it many times where you know the beneficiaries weren't who they thought or it like you said wasn't appropriate for their situation anymore so i mean asset titling and kind of beneficiary designations while it may seem simple is just a very important um part of the estate uh planning and i think a great tee up for the rest of our series wouldn't you agree chip oh yeah and it's this is going to be a great lead into um you know the probate process which is our next uh next podcast on this series and then uh, on to wills and and even trust. So um, looking forward to this series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And and, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. And um, we'll see you soon with our next podcast on probate. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.
Thank you.